Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast with Kirsty and Isaac. If you are an Amazon seller looking to grow your business with some of the latest tactics and strategies, along with some great guidance for your overall business, then you are in the right place. So pay attention and if needed, take notes. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast for Amazon sellers. It's Kirsty and Isaac here from Real Coaching. And we're here to give you some invaluable insights about how to succeed long-term on Amazon by creating a cash-generating business that puts money back into your pocket instead of flying out the window. And this week, we're going to be speaking with Troy Johnson of Seller.Tools about some of the things it takes to be successful on Amazon you know, these days and what insights he has been seeing through his software company that he can actually share with us and our viewers today. Yeah, that's right. So Troy's been in this game for quite a while now. He's also the co-founder of Seller.Tools, which is a suite of tools that helps Amazon sellers launch and optimize their Amazon products successfully. He's also a very successful seven-figure Amazon seller as well. He's actually sold one of his brands, and I think you've got a few brands on the boil um, and going again now. Uh, try which is awesome. So before we're going to jump into all that cool stuff that you guys do at Seller.Tools, Maybe, you know, one thing we like to do is just kind of understand a little bit about you, your journey. How did you even start to, you know, sell on Amazon? And then how did you develop Seller.Tools? Yeah, uh, for me, I, I guess I'm considered somewhat of a, an Amazon veteran. It's it's almost like dog years uh, when it comes to selling on Amazon. So, you know, you have two, three, five, five years in my, in my case, uh, started kind of late 2015. Um, it seems like I've seen quite a bit. Uh, you just, you know, the changes with Amazon, uh, the the change that sellers have to make in response to the the landscape, uh, we've sort of had the uh, the benefit of seeing seeing a lot of change and being able to kind of pivot and adapt with that. So, I came from before really getting into FBA, getting into e-commerce, um, really more of a corporate type of background. I was a project manager, and I had uh, roles where I was focusing on uh, digital marketing, uh, traditional marketing, so you know, print, uh, TV, even radio. Uh, at one point, so was kind of leading projects uh, in the marketing realm and uh, more focused kind of like on operational efficiencies. But really, what what it, I did was a pretty, um, pretty corporate role. I think it's a good way of in, encapsulating that where it's, um, you know, cubicle life, it's, you know, middle management, it's predictability in your role, very much a nine to five. And this opportunity for FBA kind of um, kind of came about from pursuing and looking at different side hustles, different ways of just kind of generating additional income. And um, how I actually came to know of it was there was an affiliate for, uh, at that time, Amazing Selling Machine, uh, which I believe was kind of their second, uh, kind of their second iteration of the, of the program. Um, but the real estate investing uh, group and the leader of that group was an affiliate. And they had just mentioned, hey, you know, there's this opportunity um, you know, they were promoting it, speaking to the potential. And at that point in time in 2015, again, uh, relatively speaking, it was a little bit of an unproven business model, um, you know, because ASM1 had kind of passed and you would see some of these examples, but it's not like today where you have seven, eight, nine figure sellers, you know, seven figure earners, you know, people literally generating millions and millions of dollars of profit um, and plenty of those examples, right? So, um, so yeah, that's really where I kind of stumbled into the opportunity by virtue of just looking at other ways of making money and an angel investor ended up getting involved, um, and, uh, bought the course for me, bought some initial capital or, uh, initial inventory, uh, to get started, took on some, he, uh, took on some equity as part of the, part of the deal. 
Um, but as I sort of built the foundation, getting started in the FBA journey, building that brand that I eventually sold, um, ended up buying him out and, uh, and, and really getting my feet underneath me. It was a brand in the health and beauty space. So really learned uh, kind of by getting thrown in the deep end trial by fire. Um, and especially around that time, competition was cutthroat. There was even, even more so than I think uh, today, there was so much um, what competitors could do. Um, well, you mean like throw a bunch of one-star reviews on your listings for you? Oh yeah. 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 And you know, category changes were real easy to do and listings coming down and dogs popping up like, you know, and account suspensions and you'd wonder, Oh, how did this happen? But you would sort of look at the landscape and realize the, the timing of some of these things, it sort of had you going, Hmm, you know, some, something doesn't seem right. This doesn't just seem like it's a coincidence. Um, but at the same time, you know, even though that's a lot of stress and sleepless nights, it, it, it gave me, uh, I think, a really good foundation for what it would take to really operate a business in this space at a, at a pretty high level. So it served me at, at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. no, it's funny, you when you were talking there, it's very similar to my journey. I was a corporate hound, that's what I'll call myself <laughs> right now. Um, and I was in marketing as well, and I did that for 20 odd years. I did lots of different um different models, like you said. I was one of the ASM winners, as was Isaac. Um, so yeah, we uh, we were kind of the one of the, f- the first ones to kind of go, what, yeah, what are we supposed to be doing with this, <laughs> with this thing? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I completely see kind of where you came from. And I, I've definitely been through the, when you, uh, that's why I laughed then when you said the dog's popping up, because for anyone that doesn't know that, that's if anything happens to your listing, there'll be a, uh-oh, and then there's a nice Labrador. <laughs> so kind of sweeten the deal. Yeah, yeah. So, Amazon yeah. tries to make, not make you so mad when all of a sudden your uh, revenue stream is just completely shut off, your listing's inactive, and you're not yeah. generating you know, any sales. The, the Labrador makes <laughs> it work, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's cool. So then how did you get into um, uh, co-founding Tools? How did that come about? Yeah, it was it was similar. I've been very fortunate. I, I, I use the word serendipitous a lot of like how these things just kind of fall into your lap of unique opportunities. Um, it was a, an event that I attended where a f- kind of a friend of a friend at the time uh, was talking with another friend about these tools that he was building and really developing for his own brand. It wasn't meant to be you know, viable to a larger audience or to the community as a whole. It was really just kind of solving some of his own problems in a business that was scaling very fast. So it that was really the seed of the idea. And through that event, through those conversations, we sort of connected uh, between myself as, as one of the co-founders and then two other co-founders. Um, we just sort of said, hey, let's put our heads together, our unique skill sets where, you know, again, with me, a little bit more operational focused project management uh, skill set. And then uh, Brennan, uh, one of the other co-founders is uh, pretty pretty technical. He can, he can really see... Um, and flesh out kind of the big ideas with a technical understanding. And then our other co-founder is immensely technical. It's, you know, how it's actually done, the practical pieces, uh, the implementation is really what he can flesh out and then deliver. So, um, so yeah, it was really just, and which I love, I, I love that as, as our kind of origination is we were just solving sellers problems as a, as a virtue of what we were dealing with day in and day out. And um, it was easy for, for us to really buy into uh, the potential of what the platform could be and then start to kind of game plan. Okay. Now we, we have a one-to-one here where this works great for an individual brand. Uh, but now how do we, how do we broaden the scope of this 
and uh, develop a sort of a more complete uh, set of tools. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you just mentioned kind of, kind of perfectly segues into my question actually, which was, you know, you see a lot of the, the problems of sellers and, you know, you'll see the the good sellers do, you know, overcome those problems. You'll see some, you know, not so good sellers just get deflated and pretty much quit from problems. But kind of from your experience after having, you know, been a seller yourself and then obviously working from the software side, what do you see as some of the problems that stop sellers from being successful in their businesses from your perspective? Yeah, I think, I think especially today's challenges for the sellers, if they're coming online right now, um, they are, they're sort of seeing the opposite, I think, of what we, we saw 2015, 2016. The, the validation is there, the, the confirmation of the leverage that Amazon provides. I think where, uh, where sellers can, can kind of fall prey is looking at maybe not, not willing to necessarily trailblaze a little bit and kind of deviate a little bit from the, the path. Because I think you know, we see a lot of really great training. We see a lot of really great tools. We see, but what, what starts to happen is sellers find themselves with a commoditized product with very few points of difference. And then they're literally doing the same thing as their direct competitor and they're leaving their success to chance. And that's, that's something that you, it's, it's very tough to sort of have that discovery of that reality six months down the road and you're five, $10,000 invested into, you know, your, maybe your first product, your first handful of products in that process. So I think for me, that's one of the biggest sort of the weight that you have to make sure you address is identifying truly what your points of difference are at that product research, product discovery phase, and then exploiting more points of difference in, in the way that you truly leverage Amazon. Um, and that can show up in many forms. I think a lot of sellers also think about, well, I should be building a brand from day one. I should be thinking about uh, awareness, top of funnel awareness, and and um, and and sort of the immeasurable, uh, oftentimes aspects of building a business. But the reason why you probably took that first step towards Amazon is the leverage. It is the ability to be on the largest commerce platform to ever exist, to easily send your inventory to fulfillment centers the world over, and have it show up at a customer's doorstep in two days. Like the logistics and the leverage and the optimization uh, and the the relative ease, uh, all things considered, with which you can do that if you double down your efforts in the biggest areas, ranking and reviews, um, you don't have to be thinking, oh, well, now I have to sell on Walmart or my website should really have, you know, these uh, more Shopify integrations, and these different tie-ins and referral programs. And all those things are fun and great, but they are, you know, they're a little bit further down the, down the line because um, it, from, from my perspective, there's almost always more meat on the bone when it comes to Amazon. It's very rare you're winning all of your most important keywords. Even, even some of the best sellers I see, there is still room for them to win either longer tail keywords. Sometimes they're just missing out on those even top, but maybe it's in their top 10, but they're losing out on those other two. Those can easily generate more sales with an intentional focus and a more narrow um, allocation of resources versus I've got to do everything at once. And, you know, rushing all of that activity versus saying, I'm selling on Amazon for a reason, but what's my points of difference while I'm disproportionately focus on, focusing on uh, what Amazon rewards and kind of blocking everything else out, you know, mm -hmm. until you get that piece right. Yeah, I think that's pretty important for a lot of people to hear because we call it shiny object syndrome. Um, it's a pretty common phrase out there, but I think people do get distracted by everything that they can potentially do when they really just need to focus on the things that are going to be impactful on their business instead. Yeah. And it's, even, it's things that you still want to, 
you want to build a brand at the end of the day, right? If your goal is to eventually realize an exit, have somebody come in, acquire, assume your brand, having having a brand and having brand equity, brand loyalty, um, assets in the form of an audience, all of that is really, it's really great. Um, but it's, you almost have to view it more sequentially, not I've got to do these four things and I've got to build a brand. I've got to do my best on Amazon. I've got to think about the next channel. It's really, it's, it's sort of getting back to the basics and the basics is Amazon, Amazon's the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, you win that, that, that big domino, then everything kind of falls from there. Yeah, totally. I, we, um, we always often try and put it into real world scenarios, right? Because people, can tangibly think about something like Walmart or Whole Foods or like a physical store, basically, that you can go into. If you could go into that store and see your products on the shelf, prime position, eye line, and also at the counter where basically that's the impulse purchase. And you've got a massive big, I call it a gondola end or, you know, the big ends that you see at the end of the aisle, then you would think you've made it right. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. And so that's exactly what you're trying to do on Amazon is, as you mentioned there with the keywords is basically get every single aisle covered with every, you know, eye, eye, eye placement where your product's going to be at the specific point when the customer wants it. And that's what exactly what keywords are. So if you could get that type of placement in Walmart and basically push all your competition aside, you would think you completely made it, right? And so I think the more that people can think that way and tangibly go, oh yeah, that's what it, that's what it means, then I think people start to understand the value of ranking for keywords. The fact that a review means that it's, it's literally like, you know, having an influencer say how awesome this product is. And so it's just kind of, putting it into the space of you don't need to do all these other things over here. Exactly. As Isaac said, we say, call it shiny object syndrome. You've been a project manager in a previous life. You would know that by doing just two or three things really, really well, and really understanding the core details behind that, you're going to get a bigger result than trying to manage like 25 different mm -hmm. projects. Right. <laughs> Which is yeah. a complete nightmare. So yeah, totally, totally see where, you know, why you'd say that. And we, that's our philosophy straight up. I mean, you can do, as you just said, like eight, I've never seen anybody do nine figures yet, but you know, you never know um, with a branded model, but you know, eight, nine figures on specifically just on Amazon, if you, if you do it right, which is awesome. So how with, with your, with Seller.Tools specifically, I know you've got obviously the kind of tracking piece, and then you've also got um, the visibility piece. So really helping people rank products also um, with reviews, um, et cetera. So how, Maybe kind of give us a bit of an idea about how Seller.Tools helps solve those like first kind of problems. Yeah, yeah, and really thinking back to, to how we sort of started the, the origins of uh, the platform was really focused on keywords first and foremost, and then we started to move more into to optimization and some degree of, of business maintenance, you know, folding in alerts, different ways of letting the tool kind of say, hey, watch out for this, or you can trigger an action based on based on different alerts. And where it's evolved to, and, and really where um, a lot of a lot of sellers kind of find us now is when they're thinking about uh, ranking and reviews. And we've really wanted to own um, those types of activities, kind of the eighty twenty of, of success on Amazon. So um, a lot of a lot of the ways that we can impact that is really by owning more of the customer experience, both pre and post purchase. And some of the ways that we do that at Solo Tools is we'll integrate with tools like uh, ManyChat to where we can get our offers in front of customers and own that pre-purchase. So then we know who that customer is. 
we can kind of direct them on how they can take advantage of an offer. We can limit the number of eligible customers. Um, but owning that customer and that experience is getting to be more and more valuable as Amazon is taking more data away from sellers. Uh, it was one of the big pieces of news in the past past week or two is um, some of the fulfillment reporting is gonna is gonna start losing uh, PII personally identifiable information names and names and addresses. So for for us, you know, this is where I view it both as a seller and as a tool provider. You know, as purely from the seller lens, you know, you, you hate to see this because the less you have to work with, you know, the, the worse the worse off you are. But as a, a tool provider that really aims to um, help sellers own the uh, their customers, really, um, there's a big opportunity here for us to kind of bridge that potential gap once once some of this reporting, some of the, some of this data becomes inaccessible. So, mm-hmm. Minichat is definitely some of our most popular sort of feature set. Um, but that's really where it supplements things is thinking about how you can own the customer. And then we geek out big time on ranking factors. What is Amazon rewarding? What is the algorithm looking for? Um, when you own that customer journey, it's, it's, it's almost, uh, it's pretty insane what you can do relative to, let's say PPC where, you know, I, I like to call it like putting your billboards on Amazon. There's, there's nothing wrong with highly trafficked areas and getting your billboard in front of customers, but you are uh, paying to play and you're falling, you're also falling prey to just being transactional where um, you're in Amazon ecosystem, you pay, you, you know, you pay to have that ad, you hope you convert, but there's no continuity in those relationships unless you tie on many chat, maybe you have you a, a product insert, a sticker, some way of delivering value post-purchase and you sort of mitigate um, the, some of the limitations of just a PPC uh, type focus. So we do offer PPC tools and solutions, um, but I, I love being able to uh, own the customer and yeah, really, really control that journey. That's where chat marketing, it is uh, often I find it sometimes intimidating for sellers because it's, there's so much power uh, with, with what it comes, uh, you know, what sort of comes with it. Um, but if you can spend the time and really kind of understand the strategy, um, there is a lot of low hanging fruit for you to be able to utilize and sort of at the most basic level, know who your customer is, let alone own the customer. And then, you know, when you're spending your days and, and focusing on ranking and reviews, it's just, I, I haven't found anything better uh, myself and what we use in our own brands, the new brands we're bringing online, uh, we're using it to great effect too. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot going on with Amazon. Obviously, they're taking away some information, but they're also, I think they're building out like sales p- funnels that you can now do on Amazon. It hasn't like launched wide, but like I think they're doing like landing pages through Amazon and all this stuff now, which is pretty interesting that they're going to be able to allow you to create these messaging um, things. I haven't seen, I haven't dug into it all the way, but um, they, they just started kind of talking about it and launched, I think, a beta version with some sellers that when that actually gets put out there. I think, I think the idea is that Amazon always wants to try to make tools within their stuff. Now it's not going to be great, uh, but it's going to be usable for people who have no other option. Right. Uh, But I think one of the biggest things that we see sellers panic about are, you know, misinformation or risks involved in selling on Amazon. Um, Some sellers may say that your suite may increase their risk of getting shut down by Amazon, um, either by using promo codes or by creating a systematic launch process. So kind of what would you say to them? Because I know we've used it. We've, we've used it multiple times and we've not got shut down. Yeah. There might be like, Hey, you know, this looks odd. Amazon might flag up a policy violation or warning or something like that here or there, because something seems too, 
too good to be true. And they'll let you know that. But what do you kind of say to that when people are kind of, uh, kind of turned off by that risk? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. I think one of the parallels I like to, to kind of draw is thinking of it like SEO for Google. Um, Google doesn't really want you to do anything that gives you search preference. Um, but there's entire industries, agencies, that, that there's businesses geared solely towards getting you that page, page one result. But Google sort of has their, themselves covered and says, pretty much anything you do that's advantageous is against their, their terms. And Amazon kind of does the same thing, right? They use ultra vague language. They actually don't want you to own the customer, which is sort of counterintuitive. There's been, you know, them sharing some of their polls where they, they pose that question to the seller community of like, how well does Amazon do letting you, you know, engage with your customers? They do an abysmal job. <laughs> that's the truth. Um, and so it is this, this constant, um, I don't want to call it a, a game, but it's sort of, um, that's sort of the, the table that's been set. Amazon has sort of said, you can have your piece of real estate on Amazon. And there are, there's essentially vague language you have to interpret that um, serves as guidelines. Seemingly small things. Misplacing a period in a Amazon listing can break terms of service. There, there are seemingly trivial things that, again, according to terms of service, um, you, you would be breaking. So, we still view it as at the end of the day, we still run, you know, optimization where we do our own keyword research. We fold in Amazon's own data, brand analytics into our processes. So there are elements in which we feel like they're good spirited. They're in the nature of what Amazon's telling us. And obviously as they're building out more tools, it sort of echoes that sentiment where they're sort of giving back a lot of the things that we do. They just do it later. So we, we kind of deliver the value sooner. Um, brand analytics is a great example. Um, but yeah, and then when it comes to things like optimization, obviously PPC is a, a, immensely white hat, but it's it can be cost prohibitive. It's pay to play. A lot of people don't like the idea of you know um, scaling with that type of dependency. And then what we do, you know, when when it comes to let's say chat marketing strategies, email marketing, SMS, the way that we treat our customers is the way that Amazon treats its customers. We want to go above and beyond, create an exceptional experience that's worthy of five stars, not thinking of creative ways of asking for reviews, but just simply delivering an exceptional experience. So my personal perspective and philosophy is the bad actors, and usually you can, you can, you know, you know it when you see it, are those that take the same types of strategies that we can make available and abuse them. Um, but then we have exceptional, we have those eight and nine figure brands that use us at scale. And all they try to do is they take the spirit of what Amazon has created in terms of both a buying experience, a, a value sharing, a customer cultiva cultivation, um, building that brand equity, building that brand loyalty as a, as a matter of how they, um, how they operate on Amazon. And they do so in such a way that I feel confident and I feel good. I, I would openly present that to Amazon and say, hey, these sellers at this scale have grown on your platform using our tools. And they do so in the spirit of customer-centric um, approaches, doing right by the customer and the immediacy of the support, the thoroughness with which they, um, they address any issues that customers have. So I know it's a long answer, but it really is, it's, it's one of those things where the spirit of owning your customer is something that Amazon's, they're not in love with, but you have to decide where are you willing to also draw the line of like, I don't want to know who my customer is. I don't want to engage with them. 
you know, we don't even, so as an example for our brands, we don't even use buyer seller messaging because we know 50, 60% of customers have opted out. You can, you're already immensely limited in the language that you can use. You know, you can get flags raised arbitrarily just by virtue of, you know, Amazon bot detection. So we sort of avoid the Amazon landmines and pick our spots as to wait where strategically we want to still own some amount of the customer experience, but we do so with such a great amount of care that I think the execution matters at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. And I think what, what, what that, the big takeaway for me from that is that if you're not willing to like bend a little bit of the rules, then you're probably not going to get ahead. If you're going to go out and just, you know, flagrantly, you know, break all the rules, then you're probably going to get shut down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we've, like I said, we see bad actors that use our tools and we have to, we have to say, Hey, you know, when you're incentivizing different activities or you're holding things over, like it's, it's very clear when functions or features that are meant to be um, optimized through a great experience with the customer are kind of sullied by that abuse. Uh, we don't, I mean, we hate that as much as anyone else. It's a misuse of the potential of what you can do mm -hmm. with some of even our own tools. Yeah. It's like yeah. you can break the speed limit, but don't go out and murder somebody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay, well, we won't murder anyone today, so it's all good. Um, but yeah, in terms of just, you just got me kind of thinking there as well around like different people at different stages as well in their business, right? Because usually um, uh, the more we do, the more kind of relaxed we get, right? We're like, yeah, it's okay. I'm not going to, you know get murdered or die or whatever it's everything's good um but i think there's probably different mindsets of people when they're first starting out right so they're first starting out they're doing the first launch i think that's where it they really start to kind of have that um um panic mode if you like and then as we go through then they realize it's all good so do you have any in terms of that path to purchase that you talked about and maybe the cycle of the customer and and keeping your ranking on amazon what kind of would you say to someone who's who's just starting? What would be the best way to use seller tools? And then as you start to grow your business as a, not necessarily as a maintenance factor, but as a way to kind of keep you optimized and keep you there, how how would you then kind of see almost like a symbiotic relationship with the, with the business owner and using seller tools as part of their kind of key strategy in their business? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, the, the, thing you want to make sure you start, especially your very first product is in terms of the foundation is getting the optimization piece, right? Keywords are everything. Keywords are, uh, that is the Amazon real estate that search and buyer intent is how products are discovered. And you want to be that relevant result result to own that real estate. So doing keyword research, right. Um, and spending ample amount of time. I think it's sometimes, something you just want to kind of check off the box if you do it at all, um, that you really take the care and time to do it very effectively. And this is something we do, yes, not only when we first launch a product, but through you know our keyword tracking, through our launching against specific keywords, we are immensely vigilant when it comes to seeing what our performance looks like at the keyword level. So that's really your foundational optimization. And then as you think about selling through each units, and, and I... I remember that feeling too, you know, you, you buy your first bit of inventory, you send it off. It's just a number on the screen, but you're thinking about these products moving, ending up in customers' hands. And I think as a seller, first time seller, you want to be thinking about how you 
optimize the potential of each one of those transactions. And that is where um, if you don't own the pre-purchase, thinking about post-purchase strategies. I actually just did a video um, where we covered strategies like warranties, like potentially a free gift. Uh, really what is most important is thinking about post-purchase, how you're adding more value to that customer and to their buying experience. So even seemingly small things, understanding what kind of FAQs may come up when somebody buys and experiences your products. Is there a video series that tells them how to make the most use of their product? And making sure that you are uh, sort of addressing um, both in terms of potential pain points, but how to optimize that buying experience um, are seemingly simple things. And so getting that foundation right, really focusing on the, uh, the ranking, the optimization pieces, and then figuring out how to optimize each sale um, can give you just enough few things to kind of think about. And obviously too, we have, we have a few features at Seller Tools, um, notably like review requests comes to mind where it's about 60 seconds to set up and where buyer-seller messaging you know, uh, the messaging system Amazon allows to facilitate from buyers, buyers to sellers, aptly named, um, is, is kind of falling by the wayside just because of the, you know, all of the, uh, the issues with it, really. Uh, the beauty of a feature like review request is that it truly triggers a, a similar email, Amazon branded email that goes out to a customer, and you can have that set for every single purchase. And so you have this 100% potential of having a uh, Amazon TOS compliant email go out to your customers and capture reviews. And those are, those are some of the low hanging fruit pieces. So the foundation, the optimization of each sale, and then maybe thinking about where, where else can I get just that much more out of ranking and reviews and then really scale from there. You know, I, I think the other thing that, uh, that is sometimes a missed opportunity is as a seller thinking about your day and what your operations looks like is that if ranking and reviews are not making a disproportionately large amount of that, um, you're probably not spending your time on the highest value activities. It, it's just, it's like going back to the well. It's just always going to pay you back um, what you put into it. Yeah, no, absolutely. We always say that, um, and certainly when I first started out, that's that's the way that I actually managed to figure out how to, you know, literally start the business properly. Because like we said, we were ASM1, right? And so I was like, okay, if I just focus on one thing that will get me a sale, which was getting ranked, and then the other thing that will get me a review, and at that time there was no tools, so that was you know using email as a way, but to get them to email me back rather than just blanket send out emails, because that way I, I was able to kind of give them some kind of value. Then, and I had a little target, right? So it's like I've got to get X amount of sales, X amount of um, pay, you know positions up the page, which is going to get me more organic um, sales, and then X amount of reviews, and just focusing in on those two things basically took that's what really took off my business and if you do that it doesn't matter what tool you use now right but if you just focus on one thing that gets you that and one thing that gets you a review it really gives you that kind of core focus that you were talking about earlier so that you're not thinking okay now I need to do google ads facebook ads you know um, instagram ads or whatever that that case may be because just because one works doesn't mean to say that you have to go out again and do a load of other stuff so yeah I definitely like that approach um one thing that we get asked a lot is, well, how much is it going to cost me, right? So what we like to do with um, with our members is get them to figure out before they even launch a product, you know, what would the cost potentially be? Also, what could be the on cost of keeping them ranked? And is there a way that seller tools can facilitate 
people kind of just working out before they launch a product, if it's within their budget to even launch it, because we do know we're like with keywords, main keywords, et cetera, it can be very expensive. Or do you have any tips for people to say, well, if you focused on the, the lower cost keywords first, and then you kind of like, you know, um, then the next cost, the next cost, the next cost, how would you recommend that people kind of figure that out before they launch a product? Yeah, no, it's really great analysis to do, especially one of the things that um, is definitely recommended is folding your keyword research alongside your product research, not doing that in isolation. Because sometimes, you know, you start doing your product research and then you're looking at suppliers and then you go down the rabbit hole of running your numbers. And that's great, but it's almost half of the equation because it's that same consideration of your product has to match a keyword. There's, there's, you, you want the, the supply that you're going to bring to market to meet the demand. The hardest thing D2C, e-commerce, or Amazon is, is creating demand. It's much easier to just capture that existing demand, and they're sort of stored up in each keyword. So uh, the two kind of factors that come to mind when it, when it comes to doing that analysis is thinking about, uh, first and foremost, the benefit of, of a honeymoon period, which is when your product goes online, there is a sensitivity Amazon has to sort of the weighting of the keywords that it views your product to be relevant for. And if you can realize sales against it, against that keyword, you'll sort of realize a disproportionate benefit. So you kind of want to keep that in mind in terms of the keywords that you're isolating and then sort of how aggressive that you're going to be at the time of launch. But the second factor, and this is where Amazon changed again all the time, past you know handful of years, uh, this has varied considerably where we have seen launches where you have a ton of sales in a very tight window. These sales spikes against a keyword used to be great for ranking. And what's working right now, what we're doing ourselves is slow and steady sales against a keyword that looks perceivably organic. It's sort of more intuitive uh, in my mind where Amazon sees you know, 15, 30 days of continuous sales uh, against a, a specific keyword, what I kind of call an optimized sale. So you take that honeymoon factor, you take sort of what I, what we call kind of a drip campaign model, but you also want to, um, and what I often recommend is going after your longer tail keywords, start winning the battles before you go to war. It's you build up truly and, and start capturing that visibility because the worst thing to do on it, it's I'll take the, the Google SEO example is sit on page three and expect to get, you know, clicks to get views, clicks, and, and, and sales. Mm -hmm. The same goes for Amazon. There's just an absolutely massive drop-off that you'll see when you're sort of out of position 10, then you're in position 10, you're sort of in play, and then you're fighting potentially for some of those, uh, some of those top spots. So it's always better to go for the sure thing in the win and start gobbling up those keywords. And then you start going after what you probably saw in your product research phase of, this is my on the nose, you know, garlic press it. What, what, what's my big obvious keyword that somebody off the street is gonna say, oh, your product is this. You go after that after you've built that foundation and you've won, uh, truly won uh, your longer tail and even your mid-range keywords. Mm -hmm. And also you've got the cash coming back into the business so then you can afford to play on the big ones then as well. Yep, exactly. Awesome. Yeah, cool. So I think a lot of the uh, the launch processes and the strategy that you guys have put in and obviously the review stuff that you just talked about with the request to review, everything is, 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 it, I think is on the, on the idea is, is absolutely 100% Amazon compliant, which I think is one of the big things that a lot of people are scared about is the compliance and, and risk and stuff like that. But 
I actually want to bring this back because I think people don't really, they're not aware that Amazon, you know, obviously they're aware that Amazon was a book company at first. And how do people launch a book? They don't just put it on Amazon and just let it sit there, right? They go out, they give away, you know, hundreds of copies of their book to certain people to get reviews, to, you know, go out and, and um, you know, get velocity on Amazon and stuff like that. So I think even from the very heart of, of Amazon's core strategy of how do these things become, you know, how does a new bestseller become a new bestseller? It, it, otherwise, you'd just be the Bible and the diary of Anne Frank on page one for books, right? Like you'd never see anything else. So how do things keep getting um, this newness and this, this relatively new factor? So I think the way you guys do it is is really core and in, in, in on the concept of, of Amazon's strategy, because it's pretty much a book launching cycle of what's the newest thing? What can we show our audience? What's going to inspire them to purchase this? Why would they want to do that? And And I think a lot of this stuff is really... It, it's just, it's just because Amazon says things like you said, with vague language, mm-hmm. you're not really sure if you're doing it hundred percent in compliance <laughs> because they don't actually tell you if it is or not. But I think that the way you guys do it is, is, is quite clear. Um, it's like you said, in the spirit of what Amazon does and how it's been founded and how things have worked since its inception. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my, what I would emphasize is the vagueness of the the language is the bigger component. Cause really what we do, and I just alluding to the review request feature, we actually use Amazon's own API. So this is an endpoint they make available. We just built a dashboard over the top of it. So it's all TOS compliant. It's all within Amazon guidelines, but it's, it's more to the idea. And I can't fault Amazon, Google, these monoliths, you know, they, they have to have they have to cover every use case in every scenario. And so whether they mean to or not, that vague language and um, it's vague interpretation at times, um, you know, it just, I think as we sell more and more and, you know, stay in the game longer, uh, you can get a little bit cynical. And that's where I just try to be very open about it is if you're doing anything that's advantageous on Amazon that gives you an advantage over somebody else, um, there's probably vague language that has you, you know, pinged for it. And it's really up to you to decide, I think the the speeding example is great. Are you going to go one mile an hour, two miles an hour, three? You know, the cop may get you once you go five miles an hour. You know, I remember hearing that back in, in school when a cop visit us. Five yeah. miles over, that's when he's going to get you. You know, he's going <laughs> to he's going to actually give you a ticket. So you have to decide. You know, I, yeah, I want to own my customer. I want to know who they are. Wow, that's you know a seemingly small thing, but you have to you have to make your own interpretation of you know, Amazon TOS. Um, and then, yeah, the optimization stuff, the keyword stuff, they're reinforcing, they're sort of getting around to it. And we'll see as tool providers, we're watching very closely some of their own um, natively built out tools. Some of them are great. Some of them are underwhelming, but we sort of try to read the tea leaves and say, Hey, this is kind of what we did. You know, we rolled this out two years ago. You're doing it now. So even though we had an interpretation of the vague language, you're sort of reinforcing that we're good. We're in the clear, but we just, we had uh, everybody's different interpretation to try to arrive at a, at a conclusion, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, the interpretation is, it is like the Bible, actually, where, you know, you've got so many different interpretations of exactly what it could be. Because <laughs> we, we have people all the time going, but it means this. Where does it say that? It doesn't actually say that. Oh, yeah, no, it actually doesn't. I just heard it somewhere in a Facebook group, you know. Kirsten, it's someone... the word of God is the word of God. Don't you ever <laughs> don't forget <laughs> If I interpret it that way, Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> cool. 
So do you have any um, other thoughts or insights for Amazon sellers? Obviously, you know, you are one, you've sold a business, um, you've built it, you build tools, you're constantly evolving. You're always on top of everything that's, um, that Amazon are doing from a, obviously TOS we just talked about, but also ranking strategies, which once you've got your brand sorted, you, you know, what kind of products you want to sell. It's the most important thing. Um, any other insights that we haven't totally covered today that you you're like I'm burning I'm dying to tell people all about this one <laughs> yeah no I mean the the big takeaway I always really um I think is really key is you're getting on Amazon for a clear and specific reason but then also be able to point out what you're doing differently strategically um how you're focusing on ranking it's it's become very clear to me to see you know sellers using our tools and then uh, you know get to know some very successful sellers as they've scaled their brands you know, through our through our platform, is their obsession with ranking there, you can sort of see you, you can sort of, when you see that you sort of already know, okay, they're at a, a completely different level where they know why they're on Amazon, they know, they want to know exactly how Amazon rewards different activities. And they want to cultivate and really invest um, in a lot of, you know, put their resources there. So I think those are those are they're seemingly simple things. I, I, you know, I always find myself thinking about this. These are very simple things in my mind, but I know when you're running a business, you, you already have a number of things going on. You're already maybe looking for a proof of concept. This is the first business you've ever started. You know, you're getting your feet underneath you with, with FBA. And so it all seems like a lot, but the, the, the nice thing, the silver lining is you're in the right sandbox and the timing is still great right now. E-commerce is absolutely still exploding. There's, there's no signs of, of Amazon slowing down as its footprint continues to go more globally. So you're in the right space. It's just really be able to point at tangibly what you're doing different. So that way you're not investing that five to $10,000 and six months down the road, you realize I have a commoditized product. I'm not doing anything different. And then you're just frustrated. You're, you're just, you know, upset with the, with the process. Yeah. No, exactly. I think as well, uh, what's reassuring is the fact that, you know, what works for someone who's just starting out works for someone who's been doing this for, you know, seven years, 10 years, um, nine figures, you know, the obsession with ranking and reviews is no real difference to when you first start out. It's just, you kind of forget that that's what you're supposed <laughs> to be doing, right? Because we believe that, well, I'm doing this in two hours a day or less, I should be doing something else. We have a, we have a client of ours and he says that he goes, I, I really feel like I should be doing more, but clearly not. I don't need to do any more. So yeah. Well. Yeah. I'm doing pretty, I'm doing all right. You know? So it's like, I'm sure there should be something else. Cause it feels, it's not, it's easy. It's just, it's just so dialed in that if you just focused on those core things and then you're constantly looking for ways to increase those things, then though, then it's all, it's, it's like the, the momentum keeps, keeps moving. Right. So that's awesome. Yeah. And you're speaking exactly to our vision to at seller tools. It's one of those things where as sellers, we know if you can automate the highest value activities and you can do that in your own business, but then help other sellers do that. Uh, we know that's going to just kind of help continue our growth. And, and so we, we try to keep that, you know, I, I have to uh, live by my own words is we try to keep it simple too, is when we're developing something, if it's in the scope of ranking and reviews, we're already providing immense value to the community. And it's once it starts deviating from that, we started to have to wonder like, what, you know, what, what are we really, you know, focusing on? Is this a core competency? Is this an area where it gives a disproportionate benefit and even more leverage, you know, to our users? Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm not sure if you know, but there are probably other tools out there that don't really show, you know, hey, this is something you need to be focused on. Rather, they're just like, hey, we built a tool so you can come buy it from us. And that's kind of half the industry out there. It seems like, like, hey, what's the actual point of me using this tool? Well, you'll like it and, and it ten, you know, potentially you could get sales from it. What do you mean potentially? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no, we, we use our own stuff. I can, t- I can definitely tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> it now gets stress tested by us before, before anybody sees it. Yep. Now that's great because um, we're, we're doing a series at the moment, actually a podcast series around more like the, it's not the woo-woo stuff, but it's more the intangible things about running a business. And we, we talked about, you know, vision and we're actually going to do one on values. And yeah, I think you kind of touched on the two things there because the one core thing about no understanding what your values are is not only just about the values of the company in terms of like how you treat people and the culture within the company, but it's also about what how it helps you make decisions, right? So if, for instance, you know, your core competency or your core vision is around, well, it's about ranking reviews and then people are like, yeah, but this tool over here does this thing. And you're like, yeah, but that's not within ranking and reviews. And it's quite easy to feel like as a business owner, I think that not that you're missing out, but you could be providing different, different um, solutions. But at the end of the day, you want to be the best at that one core thing. And that is a big thing for sellers. So I think that's great that you guys just stick to that. And that's why people will keep coming back and back because all the other tools, if they're focused on other things, it's never going to be as good as the, the one thing that is actually focused on it all the time. So I think that's a great, it's a great way. Uh, but I know what you mean. It's easy to kind of think, I should be doing this over mm-hmm. here. So yeah. <laughs> I, get, I, I, hear you. <laughs> I think that's a great point too. And this is something I just personally have been kind of marinating on is the idea of when I, when I find myself, you know, sort of thriving more in my business, I'm making quicker decisions and there is a speed. And when you're driven and you know your values and you know your vision, it's sort of, um, it facilitates that. Right. Yeah. And so it's uh, it's really interesting how that serves as a sort of a, a narrowing of focus because you just know what's important and what you're about. And then those decisions mm-hmm. are quicker and you're, you're faster to move, you're quicker to market. You know, you have so many more advantages when you're decisive in that way. Yeah, I think I find it, I think it's liberating because you're not, you, you keep an eye on competition, but you're not as worried about the competition because you're like, yeah, I'm just going to be laser focused on what I'm doing and making sure that it is the best for what my customer needs. And so that is the thing, the core thing that's going to make you win versus everybody else out there. So it just it ends up you getting that kind of laser path, I think, which um, I think when we first start a business, especially on Amazon, potentially, you know, we're not, we don't even think that way because we're so focused on getting the products live, but the more to build a bigger businesses, like you were talking around, you know, seven, eight, nine figures, that's, this is really going to help you not, distract you into those shiny objects and all that, all that other cool stuff. Right. Right. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. So I think, you know, obviously we'll kind of just wrap it up from here, but you know, if if people are trying to get in touch with you, we'll actually add a link to the seller tools um, in the show notes, but if you know, they have other questions, how would they reach out to you? Yeah, you can reach us, uh, seller tools, hello at seller.tools. We'll reach us and the, the entire team. So if you have any questions or ways we can support you, definitely reach out. And then we have a Facebook group, uh, FBA Kings, a really great community, uh, supportive community there as well. So love to love to have you and take part in the conversation there. Excellent. Awesome. We'll put a link to that one as well to the to the Facebook group. I'm pretty sure I'm part of it because I when I do go on Facebook, I still see um, updates from that. So I know it's active because it's always on the feed there. So um, we want to thank our guest Troy 
uh, Johnson from Seller.Tools for all the great insights and, and, you know, how to, and the strategies on how to grow and scale the business today. So thank you very much, Troy. And guys, if you like what you heard today, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and share our podcast with friends who might get value out of it as well. Also, to get some absolutely free training on what it takes to have a successful Amazon business to fuel your lifestyle, head to www.goteamreal.com to download our free training today. And we'll see you next week for the next Sprint to Profit episode. And as always, we wish you the best for you and your business. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you would like to get more information about selling on Amazon, head to goteamreal.com for some absolutely free training.